Take a look at Acts, the seventh chapter. You're going to find a great message that is uh, being delivered. Peter is sharing, and we know that some awesome things are taking place. Tonight's message is entitled, Fulfill Your Calling. I was thinking a moment ago as I gazed over the audience, and some of you, of course, uh, watching you worship, and others of you, how your posture is in the seat. Some are up straight, and some are down low, and some are leaning over, and some are you know, arms folded, it's uh, all, all of that, you know, and uh, in worship. And I, I thought to myself, it, it doesn't matter the, necessarily the posture. What matters is, is, do you know the value of who you are in Jesus? Do you understand, do you understand that all of us has a, a, a DNA right here in the natural we have a DNA in the natural that now science can prove that says you are recognizable by your own DNA and no one else has that. And so we know that to be a reality. That's not guesswork. It's not something that we have to wonder about. It now has scientific evidence proven over and over and over again. Enough to the degree that old cases that some of them were never solved now they can go back and check DNA and find, wow, we found the culprit of who did that out of the scientific evidence. I wonder if we understand the reality of God's purpose in our lives, that, that DNA that's absolutely there, and hopefully we can all agree on that. And if you say, well, I can't agree with it, will be the exception and let that be. But if we all agree in that, can we all agree that all of us have a distinct purpose of God's direct purpose for our lives and that no one else has it and that God's purpose for your life can be discovered over a period of time and reach the fullest potential that God called you to reach? You see, I just do not believe, and I know that I'm not ancient. I've not traveled the road. I've traveled a few roads. I just don't, don't understand that there's ever a time that God's calling on a person's life ceases. I was praying and thinking about this because I judge people. and I, So hear me out now. I judge people often by what I observe, often as you do. A homeless person, you take a look in the first pass, you think, well, I wonder how they, how they got there. I wonder what's up with their lives. I wonder how they got to that place. But I think and I pray, and as I study that, I'm thinking, but even there, the value of God's worth in a person is not determined whether or not they're following the will of God or whether they're in sin or whether they're rebellious or whether they're in exile. The value that God has for them does not change. And I also came to understand out of this message because we all have family members or many have family members, I should say, uh, that you say they're just not reaching their potential. Well, uh, that may be true for a lot of us. But try this on for size and see how you feel. Let's take a person who, who has been raised in the church, 
Let's take a person that has had an anointing on their life. Uh, Let's take a person who understands the Bible and can answer a, a good general question about what the Bible says. And let's say they decide to just turn their back on their commitment of following Jesus. Uh, let's say that they get engaged in an alternative lifestyle. Or let's say that one decides to sell her body uh, for prostitution. Let's say um, a man decides, I have an opportunity to make some real money fast, and I start distributing drugs and uh, reaching out to young people in the schools and and I'm rolling in the dough. Let's say, listen, these are people that were, say, once in the church. Or let's say one decides, I, I got to have alcohol and, and drinks and becomes a drunk. I mean, dependent. Let, let's say a person is in the church or whatever the case and decides to take a journey down the, the trail of pornography. And... That's a habit that psychologists tell us, short of a miracle, uh, and, a, and a group of understanding that, you're just caught. Well, here's my question for all those cases. Because of what that person is doing, though we know it's in sin, okay? How many would agree all that would be sin? Considered sin? Okay. I didn't get a majority on that vote. But here's my question for you. Does that lesson, lesson, L-E-S-S-E-N, the value of that person in the sight of God? How many say it does not lessen God's value in that person? I agree with you. Because if the value system that God has for us were lessened by what we do or do not do, we would be worth less. Okay? So if I believe, no matter what a person is doing, so then try this on for size. This has nothing to do with the message, by the way. I'll get there in a minute. What if a person in that regard is, call them wayward, rebellious? Let's take a look at Jonah. Jonah's value system in God's economy was not lessened because he was running in another direction. If you have a child that's wayward and rebellious and running, because they're running away and because they're rebellious toward you and maybe they're nasty toward you and maybe they're mean toward you, does your love for them get less? It certainly would not stay the same. I would think it would get more because now you're praying more. So I thought about this because I have family members 
in my, in my family out there and my cousins that raised in the church and running from God. That being true, here's what I believe. I believe because of God's value in their life that they will not be able to do anything, go anywhere, run anywhere, hide anywhere, but what God would go after them to retrieve his child, no matter where they are, no matter what they are doing. Amen? So as a parent, as a cousin, or as a pastor, I can in my heart of hearts say, God, it doesn't matter what they do. I mean, it does. It doesn't matter what they do. It's not going to lessen your desire to go where they are and apprehend them and retrieve them from the hand of darkness. Amen? Now, here's one of the great things that happens in the church today. We beat ourselves up. We are often our own worst enemy. So here I go. There's more potential in you, in you, than you could ever imagine. Turn to somebody close to you if you can. So there's great potential in you. Go ahead. Great potential in you. It is. You see, you and I may look like just a group of weary pilgrims that were gathered together in this worship service tonight. And in the natural, the average man would view us in that way. But in God's view, God doesn't look at a group of individuals that has a cavity and has bones and flesh and sinew and muscle tissue covered up with skin, a little bit of hair here and there. God doesn't view us in that regard. In the regard of what your body is worth, it isn't worth very much, my friend. But in the view of Almighty God, here's what he sees. He sees a divine creation of one of a kind in all the eons of time and says, you you may see your potential based upon the fact of what the world values systems are, but I see you as a child of God that I created with my own hands and my own word, and God sees great, great, great potential in this room tonight. Amen? Why? Because we are the affinity of God's heart. God loves you as much as anybody and we, God sees us as the blood-brought church of Jesus Christ. And as we're gathered here in this room with us, and in your car when you go home, and in your house, and when you go to your bedroom, the creative person of Almighty God is there in you. The redeeming grace, if you've been redeemed, of the blood of Jesus is in you. He's there. The dynamic power of the Holy Spirit for there have been times that I have been lonely and discouraged and feeling alone and just closed my eyes and listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit and feel the Holy Spirit come in and say, hey, I've got this taken care of. Amen? So I'm here to tell you that's what God sees. Not only that, I do believe that there are angels, amen, that hover above us. I believe that with all of my heart, though my dependence is not on an angel. My dependence is on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
We came through some tough periods in our culture and in our country, and we have a lot of tough periods and tough culture, tough situations that we're going to face. But the bottom line is this world is not my home. I'm not preparing to live here. I'm preparing. That's why I'm here tonight. I'm preparing to live up yonder. Amen. That old song used to say, I'm going up yonder. I want my lifestyle to begin to reflect how I'm going to enjoy in the presence of the Lord. You and I could see the anxiousness of God. Now imagine with me for a moment, a young person, young man, woman, boy, girl, whatever the case, that just has rebelled against God. I mean, gone awry. I'm here to tell you that I believe that God's desire and an anxiousness is in his heart to say, I'm going to reach them before it's too late. I want, I want my church, I want someone to reach out to them before it is too late. I talked to a man yesterday. I said, where do you go to church? Well, I used to go to Victory. How long ago? I don't know, eight or ten years ago. Oh, is that right? Where you've been going to church since then? Not much anywhere. I said, how about the last year? How about we just say you hadn't gone anywhere? He said, that'd be about right. Why not? You know, why not? I'm paying him to do a job, by the way. He's not paying me. How about that? Why not? Well, I kind of got involved in this and that, started my smoking back and all this, that, and the other. And he said, I just feel bad about that. I said, that's not a good enough answer. At Victor Church, we're a trauma center. We take smokers. We take dopers. We take alcoholics. We take whosoever will. Doesn't matter to us. I don't care. As long as you drop that cigarette out there before you come on in here. Amen. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you, I don't care what you've done or where you're going because I want a register that's the same as Jesus Christ. I said, you know it and I know it. You've got children. Those children are watching you and you need to straighten up. And how about we do this? How about you and I agree with a handshake that you're going to start coming at least once a month. We're going to start slow. I can do that. Why? Because the bottom line is Jesus is coming. Amen? Jesus is coming soon. Say it with me. Jesus is coming soon. You see, for a moment, I'd like for it to focus not on our problems, our schedules, or our pain. I'd like to, for us to take a look and see, God, what in my life, if I have that special purpose and that DNA is there, what is that? And how am I behaving toward, toward it? How am I living out in my life to reach that highest place that you have. Now, I can get caught up. I don't have time. I can get caught up. I've got this. Time's going to run out on you. It's going to run out. So let's talk about this. We are called. Say that with me. We are called. We are called. Well, at the time Moses was born, he was no ordinary child. He's not the only one, in my opinion, that was no ordinary child. Amen? I'm not meaning that they're extraordinary child. I'm just saying they're not an ordinary child. But he was no ordinary child according to the scripture there, and he's the illustration. I want to follow him just for a moment, you see, because God had a need. His people had a need. They were in trouble. Our culture has a need. Our culture is in trouble. Our culture has a need. 
Our nation is in trouble, and the only antidote is the power and the anointing of Jesus Christ, and that comes through and from people who feel called to fulfill the purpose of God while here on earth. These are not the days to back up. These are not the days to give up. These are not the days to sit back and chill and relax, my friend. Jesus Christ is coming, and people are going to go to hell, and you and I must get busy and realize we are the call. Amen? We are the called. So, people under bondage of Pharaoh, they've been beaten down emotionally and physically. And Israelite little male children, about 50% of them never made it at childbirth anyway, but what did live were being killed. And God needed someone that was a specific call. The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament in the Old Testament there were individuals that were specifically called. Moses, Abraham, Joshua, etc., etc., etc. In the New Testament, everybody is called. Not just specific reason, but every person is in fact called. So we know that God needed someone with his authority and his power, and it was Moses. You see, here's what happens. I see as I study carefully that as individuals that we know we're called and individuals we know that we're the church, but have you found that it's easy to get into a routine mold? A routine mold. It's like, and nothing can upset my routine. Well, God can upset your routine. My mother's been in the hospital now overnight last, what was it, last Saturday night. My routine's been uprooted, I can tell you that. A routine that isn't ordinary. We get in not only that, uh, we get into the value system of our world. We begin to value one another, and we begin to value ourselves as beat down, pushed back, not having talent, not having skill. And before you know it, our standards of worth is being based upon, this is what the world does, your beauty or your standard of worth is based upon your giftings or, or your accomplishments or your assets or your spiritual maturity. I'm not as spiritual as old brother so-and-so. Well, if you keep trying, you might be one day. We often see ourselves through the lens that's been shattered by failure in our life or by divorce or some wrong decision that we're still suffering for or the pain of a difficult childhood or the rejection of others or some spiritual discipline that we can't seem to grasp. And we judge ourselves by that. And here's what happens. Before you know it, we give up on us. We give up on us. That's all I'm ever going to be. That's as high as I'm ever going to go. This thing, this thorn in my flesh is just going to be there. So I'm never going to be able to really reach. And if you let the devil talk to you that way and you begin to believe it, you will become what you believe. But I have good news for you. You can believe better. Amen. You can believe I'm not judging me on the value system of a culture that's going to write or a world that's filled with sin. I'm going to put my value system and my belief system in believing what God believes that I am. And I'm going to see myself through eyes, through his eyes. You see, what does he see in us? He sees us as a gift worth dying for. Jesus did. 
a vessel of value and worth. He, we are the lost sheep that needs retrieving, the highest creation of God. And then Paul says to all of us on this Wednesday night, we are members of the body of Christ. Not the Senate, not the Congress, not the Tea Party, not the Demo, not the transition team, not the Pope and his house, all of that. We are members of the body of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. My friend, that ought to make you do backflips in your heart. Deuteronomy 14.2, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the people on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be what? His treasured possession. Paul writes in Romans 8.15, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But he said you received the spirit of sonship or adoption. 2 Corinthians 6.18, Paul says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So I want you to leave here, if nothing else, thinking, I want to readjust the way that I think and readjust the way that I believe. And I want to start living to the potential, the value that God has for me. And if God is God and he's the priority, friend, for that to come to pass, you are going to have to change and make different decisions. God is timely. How many of you know God's right on time? Acts 7, 27. It says, but the man who was mistreating the other pushed, this is in the book of Acts, by the way, New Testament. Pushed Moses aside and said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Moses didn't know at the time he could have answered that in the affirmative. He could have said, well, I'm glad you brought that up. Matter of fact, I am. And why didn't he? Because he had to have 40 more years to figure that out. He was 40 at this point in time, and he thought, well, I'm the best thing since cheese grits. Or you choose your own, you know. I'm there. He had an unusual life that first 40 He's now, of course, we seem to, he's born of Israelite parents, raised in Pharaoh's household by his mother, educated in the best schools of Egypt, and enjoyed the favors of royalty. And at 40 years of age, he's thinking, well, these Israelites, they're going to need my help. They haven't journeyed uh, down the path that I've journeyed. They don't understand the psyche of intellectual prowess so let me help you out an israelite and egyptian are fighting and what does he do he goes over and says hey i go to gold's gym twice a day because i have the time and i have a free membership i eat protein because the chef i have my own personal chef and i eat healthy and protein and broccoli and all of that. I have my own nutritionist. So when I muscle up, so he kills the Israelite. Yeah. 
Just checking. <laughs> he kills the Egyptian. Wow. He grabs the Israelite and says, Shalom. Don't tell. The next day, two Israelites are fighting. Moses goes in, pushes his chest out. He said, boys, what's wrong with you? Why are you hurting? Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? And one of them pushed back and said, who made you ruler over us? You're the guy that we saw yesterday. We've heard about it. You're all over Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. You did it, brother. You're a murderer. When you start your journey to toward your potential, you may say, well, man, I'm 50 years of age. What potential have I got? You're just right. You might say, I'm 74. You're just right. You might say, I'm 22. You're just right. You're just right. You might say, I got broke knees. You're just right. God has a broke knee ministry. Amen? You might say, I think I'm losing my mind. You're just right. Well, when do I not become just right? When you quit. So in this regard, what does the murder, do you think Moses said, hey, all right, God said to Moses, uh, Moses, you're going to see a couple of, you're going to see a couple of Israelis fighting together. I want you to go break it up, push them. They're going to push you back. But the game is they're going to say you're murder, okay? But then this is what I want you to do. I want you to run to the wilderness. Moses didn't have any idea. Little did he know, I don't, I don't want you to miss this, that every step he took, God was directing his path. And notice this, to one day bring him right back where he started. You know where I started? Right there at an altar. You know where God's going to bring us all back to? Right back to that altar. He ran 40 years, you know. He had family member out there that ripped him off. Most people who get ripped off is by a family member. So don't feel alone. Forty years, he gets there, ran toward the wilderness. He's confused. He's upset. He's down on Moses. What happened to the potential? What happened to what I thought I was going to do? How am I going to take this misery that I'm in now? And how am I going to ever use it? But God works in our lives and level of degrees. And let me say this, wherever you're at right now, whatever you're facing, whatever your big pain in the patoot is, let me just put it that way. That's just plain yard talk. 
God's using that for your own good. Don't whine and don't murmur. Don't complain. Just realize that God's going to use that for your good before it's over. Amen? Get your couple Band-Aids and grin and come on and move forward. Grieve, do whatever you need to do, but let God touch you through that. There are levels and degrees that God moves in us that are ways uncommon to man. Uncommon to man. One degree, something is accomplished, then we go to the next degree, and something else is accomplished. And that's the way, it, but what it, it takes time to develop us. It takes time. We have to be humble. There are times we have to be reprogrammed, times that we have to rest and reevaluate, and sometimes when that happens, our perspective changes, our judgment, the way we judge people and things changes, and we have to be challenged for the future. And that's what life is all about, though you and I are vessels of God bought in purpose, purpose for the purpose of God's time, He will maximize it. So here we are now at 80 years. God, I wasted 40 years out here. Really? But it wasn't a waste because there was a moment in which Moses was out in the middle of nowhere. No GPS could find him, but God could. And the bush caught on fire. Take off your Sandals, shoes, for what? You're standing on holy ground. The song, we are standing on holy ground. Where you are right now. Because God is there, his holy ground. Where your unsaved family member is, is holy ground. Why? Because the earth and everything in it belongs to God. All of it. So after 40 years, a miracle of the fire-filled bush unconsumed. He hears God's voice. You're on holy ground. Now I'm ready to deliver. You're, you're going to do what? What am I going to do? I'm going to go back to Egypt. And then that, that's Old Testament. But it shows up in the New Testament in Acts 7 verse 35. This is the same Moses that he is preaching. This is the same Moses who you, you rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? He was sent by their ruler and delivered by God himself. And through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. How do you know? But what right now, this very moment, God is not beginning to move and creating a miracle moment for you and someone that you know and love when you connect with his power. I have the power he led them out of Egypt, did wonders and miraculous signs in Egypt, the Red Sea, and 40 years in the desert. And we see the results of God's plan when we connect with power. Take the shoes off. Give you direction. I'll be with you. What authority do I have? That's a good question. Tell them I am who I am. Tell the devil that about 10 times a day. I know who I am. I know who the great I am is. Quit lying to me. Quit speaking into my spirit. 
quit trying to bring me discouragement. Quit making me anxious. Quit making me fearful. Quit making me want to give up. Quit making me do some things that I don't want to do. I know who I am, and I am in the great I am's arms. Moses said, what do I have to show them? What do I need to show them? He said, a staff, it's a stick. Now, why the staff? Because every other person with power had a staff. Amen? When he went before Pharaoh and they prepared to do their work, all his magicians, everybody came in with their own staff. You know that Moses and Aaron had a staff. So here it is. You got a staff. That'll help you. Okay? Acts 1.8. Here he says, all of that. What do I have is a staff that's symbolic of power. But Acts 1.8 says, no longer you don't need a staff. You don't need a staff. Let me tell you where your power's at. But you shall receive power. When the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, notice this, comes on you. Amen? When that Holy Spirit comes on, how many of you know he's in the house tonight? Amen? How many of you know, hallelujah, he's waiting to get loosed? Uh, how many of you know that he's here to be creative? How many of you know he's here to lift you up? How many of you know he's ready to take your anxiety? Acts 1.8, you'll receive power. Acts 3, verse 6, then Peter said, listen, silver and gold, this is all new to me, guys. I want you to know I was the guy who denied him. I was the guy. I, I just just played it my way. I was self-willed, but listen, silver and gold, I, I don't have. I want to tell you, but, but what I have, I'm going to give to you, hallelujah, to the beggar. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That's all I have. Amen. I don't have wealth. I don't have fame. I don't have anything, but I've got a daddy, hallelujah, who resides in me as my heavenly father. I've got a big brother that's my creator, and in me is a third person of the Trinity, such as I have. I give it to you right now in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. I call their name out and say they will return to the fold. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I call that sickness to be healed. In the name of the Father, I call them, God, to be touched again by the anointing of God in Jesus' name. That's the power that we have. That's the power. If we relied on that power as much as a person addicted to cigarettes had to have a smoke, I got to tell you something, friend. That would do something in an unbelievable, excuse me, sir. If you don't mind, I need to take my little break. Hallelujah. I need to take my little break. What do you, you got to go take a smoke? No, I got to go. Father, listen, I, I just thought I got so excited in there. I, did, I didn't want to just get beyond myself. I just came out here to let your anointing not have to go through a roof. Amen. Just pour it down on me today. Let my faith begin to rise in the name. You don't think that can happen? I think that's exactly why we find ourselves in the New Testament. So what did Moses do? He went back. Now, I was never one that liked to eat 
leftovers. My daddy, now from the north, you northerners, there's nothing wrong with this. But when I, I was raised in the south, we didn't, if you, I didn't, I could hardly even say quiche, much less spell it. And casseroles, a what? A casserole. My mother put the first plate of spaghetti in front of my dad who owned a meatpacking plant. And she decided to cook spaghetti. I was a kid, and I remember him pushing the plate back and said, what in the world is this, some foreign food? <laughs> she said, that's spaghetti. I don't want spaghetti. We got meat over in the cooler. We got pork chops. Go get that. I don't know about that. You, 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 under, you, under, you understand that. And when we rely on the Holy Spirit of God, oh, friend, we don't practice that enough. We get lost. We get busy. We get into the routine. And I'm here to tell you, some of you have got some big old mountains that you need to see God move. Well, let me tell you, step number one, believe he is already moving them in the name of Jesus Christ. For the power is in you. You see, God used a man to rule through the Spirit. And God used in God's time at 80 years of age, he goes back and he faces off with Pharaoh and he humbles Pharaoh and the plagues came and the miracles came because of a man who failed a murderer was ordained from before the foundations of the earth to deliver God's people I just wonder what plan God had for you before the foundations of the earth that he still wants to see come to pass. Amen? Y'all with me? Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Would you do that? Amen. Would you stand? Father, in the name of Jesus, the strong Son of God, we have taken our time and meandered through the Word of God. We've talked about a person that we all know about. We've been challenged by things that we know that we know. But God, to know and then forget, to know and forget, because we get out of practice. We become a little bit of apathetic, and we become to begin to be ruled by fear, as if that, that a miracle can't take place. We begin to be ruled by what may be practical as opposed to supernatural. Well, God, we already know that there's some things in this life that we don't have an answer to. We don't. We don't have an answer to. But we know one who does. And he is the great problem solver. But God, I don't want to seek answers and be doing that more than I am to seek the one who knows the answers. So as long as I seek you in your face, when I need something, you're going to give it. And God, I'm going to believe that you blanket the universe. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you that no matter what happens, no matter how ugly it may get, no matter how wicked, how rebellious, no matter how much it hurts, here's what I know. 
that God, you have everything in control and I am valuable to you and you'll move heaven and earth. As a matter of fact, God, you gave your one and only son just for me. And I thank you for that. Hallelujah. Would you just bow your heads and would you, just in case you're not, you're here and you're not right with Jesus. You see, that'll put a comma in the moving forward of your potential. It'll just pause it. Well, pausing doesn't let you see the future. You need to get rid of that comma and just continue on with the sentence line of your life. So for that to take place, we have to ask God to forgive us. So shall we pray? Everybody together. Dear Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I, have sinned. I have sinned. I am a sinner, am a sinner. but I believe, by faith, I believe by faith through grace, through grace. Jesus, Christ, Jesus Christ, you died for my sins. For my sins. I confess my sins. I confess my, sins. I, confess my I confess my unbelief. I confess my bitterness. I confess my anger. I confess my anxiousness. I confess that which bogs me down. I confess my sin. And I believe by faith. I am forgiven. I am delivered in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Look this way. God can touch you and heal you. Don't ever miss a moment when these altars are open. Because supernatural things take place. You say, well, I can have it in my seat. Not in this service, you can't. You know why? Let me tell you why. The Spirit is subject to the prophet. And I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to be careful. But if we say the altars is where? It's the altars. Did you know that? If I were to say it's in your seat because the Spirit as God flows through the man of God, then it'd be in your seat. But in this house right now, that's where the answer God desires to touch you. As we sing, we'll sing it, and then we'll give the benediction. If you need anything, you come right now. Would you do that? Trust him with me. In light of the world, you stepped out into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart. Help us. Here I am to worship. So here I Come am to, to worship. worship.